Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, hey YouTube, hey YouTube, please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. It's right in front of you. It costs you nothing. But uh, it helps us a lot. So knock that out. And while you're here, also, if for whatever reason on this planet you have not subscribed yet to the YouTube channel, please knock that out. It matters. Help us with that. We thank you in advance. All right. Dead leg. You were inside the Dunkin' Donuts Center Tuesday night for the biggest game of the night. Villanova, Providence on CBS Sports Network. Jay Wright's Wildcats uh, look composed. Great. 189-84. It looked and sounded terrific on TV, but you were there in person. How terrific of a scene was it last night uh, at Providence? It was a phenomenal scene. I mean, it was about 22, 23 degrees outside, about an hour and a half before tip, which is when they opened the doors to the general public. I think they let the students in a lot of them before that, but uh, because of where I wound up parking my car and then kind of walking around the Dunkin' Donuts Center to get into the media entrance, I walked by what had to be like four or five different ways to get into the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Every single entrance oh, had, a, had a throng of people outside waiting to get in, not just all college kids, plenty, <laughs> plenty of uh, moms and dads, uncles and aunts, and all those folks into their 40s, 50s, and 60s were outside braving the, uh, the cold temps. And there was, a, there was certainly a buzz around downtown Providence. By the way, got in a little bit of brown bears basketball practice before went over to the game it was good to uh it was good to see them as well so kind of made the most of the trip there and then once yeah once we were inside my god they that that building was ready to go i love those environments it was ready to go uh, at game tipped at technically what like 807 808 it was good at 6 30 good to go let's 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 get on this thing the uh this everyone wore pink for uh breast cancer awareness and student section was uh, lively and intoxicated. Uh, shouts to the Providence Pep Band. I actually had a tweet go up this morning when I opened my Twitter app because the Wi-Fi had the dunk, not the most reliable thing. So it finally sent through a solid uh, 14 hours later. Providence Pep Band, though, legit, good stuff. Not the same old tunes. I really appreciate that. If there happens to be a member of the uh, said Pep Band that listens to this podcast, you guys are really, really good, and that was really cool. I was sitting right in front of them, and I'd actually Dan O'Neill of the Athletic was sitting next to me. And at one point during the game, we kind of looked at each other and like they absolutely broke the fire code. There's no way there's no way that that building was holding fewer than the recommended amount of people to actually keep it safe. And in the event of emergency, but uh, it added to the atmosphere. It was, uh, you know, such a tight game the entire way that it just it it made it all the better. Um, I've been to that one and the Texas Gonzaga game have been the two games that I've been to this season that really had uh, that real liveliness to it. Just that incredible atmosphere. I think actually last night might have been a little bit better than Gonzaga, which was very, very, very good. But yeah, wonderfully played game and good on Villanova. I mean, 
I, I kind of wondered if this is how it was going to go in terms of Villanova would be able to withstand what Providence was doing, both from an environment standpoint and obviously Providence being a, a damn good team. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, I can let you lay out the particulars here, and then I'll tell you what I heard from uh, talking to Jay right after one-on-one and then Ed Cooley. But Colin Gillespie has the best game of his career. He goes for a career high, and he came up huge. And early on, it was Justin Moore. And both of those guys are legit. Like Jay Wright told me after, they are they are seriously injured. Like the past uh, few games here, the day before, the day of the games, it's kind of been a question of, they're not going to play. The trainer's going to Jay and the staff and being like, he's not playing. And then Colin Gillespie says, I'm playing. I'm going to play. And they did not look hampered whatsoever during that game last night. So uh, plenty more to touch on this game, but I'll kind of volley it back to you. It was an it was an awesome environment and a really good night for the Big East to have a, such a well-played game, high scoring into the 80s. Uh, both teams were above 50% for well over half the game from shooting from the field. And uh, I had a great time. It was a really fun time. It was awesome. Um, you know, on paper, it was supposed to be a great game. You knew no matter what, it would look and sound great. You never know if you'll actually get um, a, a nice performance from from both teams. And I know Providence didn't play its best. I think Ed Cooley said after the game, like, you know, sometimes it's just not your night. Um, they, they were 5 of 23 from three-point range. They just could not make a shot. On the other side, uh, Villanova you know, shot nearly 50% from three. In the first half, it was Justin Moore who was great. Um, in the second half, and really for the game, Colin Gillespie, like you mentioned, career-high 33, got the big dagger three with like 29 seconds left. We're sitting in studio, and as soon as he got a little bit of space, I'm like, that's it. There was no doubt in my mind he was uh, making that shot, just big time. And um, we were laughing because – um, if you saw at, the, of course you saw, you were there, um, at the very end, Jared Bynum bangs in a three, like a second left to turn an eight point game into a five point game to ruin Providence's record in games decided by five or fewer points. It was nine and oh heading into last night. And now at this moment, it's nine and one, by the way, all you got to do now is just move the goalpost a little bit. Providence is still five and oh in games decided by four or fewer points. So you just got to move it a little bit, but you might've saw this on social media. We were uh, in pregame and it's one of those, you know, like uh, keys to the game type thing. And I said, I said, well, like a key for Villa will be, don't get in a close game with Providence. You know, if you're going to win this thing, you'd better be up eight, 10, 12, you know, at the under four. Cause it's because if you get into a close game with Providence and here's the quote that killed me, you're not winning that game. And then I went on to explain the record in close games and blah, blah, blah. But did, blah, that, blah. Get, did, that, did that get clipped and shared? I did not see this. Did it get clipped and shared? Oh, sure it did. And okay. as soon as I said <laughs> it, we walk, we walk off set. I go, uh, I go, you know what? I was, I was sitting there with Renee Montgomery, Brent Stover, Wally Zerbiak. I said, I should have said, I should have just, I missed, I needed one more word. All I had to say was, if you get into a close game with Providence, you're probably not winning that game. And then I'm fine. I learned a long time ago, and I tell people all the time, when it comes to predicting stuff, like publicly, don't speak in absolutes. Don't say there's no way this is going to happen or there's a 100% chance that's going to happen. It's like one of my pet peeves. Like, stop talking in absolutes about things that are going to happen in the future. And uh, and so I walked off set, and I was like, I should have – I cannot believe I didn't put the word probably in there. I said, it is – it is uh, – like now, I, this is the way this is going to unfold. Philadelphia is going to beat Providence in a close game, and so at the end, 
after the result was decided and it was clear Villanova was going to win and Providence was going to lose, it's an eight-point game. And I'm like, I'm still okay. I'm still okay. They're going to lose by eight. And then Bynum for three makes it a five-point <laughs> game. And I got Villanova fans <laughs> tagging old takes exposed. Yeah, the internet very much alive and working in eastern Pennsylvania. Yes, yes. They took Indiana's internet, moved it east, and Villanova fans are all over it. But in all seriousness, like whatever. Um, it, it was an awesome game. Villanova looked terrific. Uh, Colin Gillespie was big time. And now we've got a real Big Ten, uh, Big East race. Like, as you pointed out on an earlier podcast, if Providence wins that game last night, that's that's basically it. Mm-hmm. You know, they would have had, I think, a three-game lead in the Big East standings in the loss column with four games left to play. You're not collapsing and losing that, I don't think. Providence would have been on track to win its first Big East regular season title in men's basketball history. Still got a great chance to do it. But that what would have been a three-game lead in the lost column is now just a one-game lead in the lost column, and they close uh, at least based on the current schedule. They they they've got a game in the last week of the regular season. Let's put it that way, at Villanova. So we could be headed for, and I think right. this is what the computers would tell you, a co-champion type situation, which would still be Providence's first regular season Big East title, but it wouldn't be outright. Right, and this is a little bit wonky because Providence is not going to play a full schedule. Now, I asked last night, why, why exactly was that? Because the Big East made a rule going into the season that you could not play three games in a week in back-to-back weeks. You were not allowed to play six games in a 14-day span. The Big East made that rule and stuck to that rule. And because Providence hit scheduling issues due to Omicron and the way that the rest of the Big East schedule has now shaken out. We're all, no one's on pause anymore, and so they're not going to move other games for other teams to accommodate Providence. They are they don't have the spots to make up those games. Now, there's been some there's been some backlash, I think, within the Big East uh, at Providence. You know, some of it playful, some of it probably a little mean spirited, saying like that, that the Friars are intentionally not wanting to play like the UConn game, and people saying UConn doesn't want to play Providence, et cetera, et cetera. But it's going to lead to a, a point where Providence is not going to play its full allotment of Big East games. I don't think it's going to make up any of these. Right now, Providence is 11 and two in the league, and it's scheduled to play 17. Big East games overall. Um, so the Big East will go to win percentage, and that's where it actually gets interesting. According to Torvik's projection this morning, this win actually swung it. So I checked it last night. I'm going to have more on this game and Gillespie and uh, the court report, which we'll file later on Wednesday afternoon. But I had it in my file here. Going into the game, the uh, the chances of Providence winning the league was 53-47 over Nova. And now it's actually 70-30 Nova in favor. And I think that is taking into account. I think it's taking into account Providence's fewer games, but obviously they got to go to they got to go to Nova to close out the regular season. Um, we still could have a situation where they wind up sharing in the loss column, but from a win percentage standpoint, Providence Mill might still have a chance overall. Well, Whatever. Well, I just, I, this, yeah. is, this is a huge talking point in the big east. I just I wanted to at least bring some context to it. Go ahead. No, so um, let me correct myself. If if they're going to go by winning percentage and crown a Big East champion, Villanova is in a good spot right now, assuming, of course, they can handle Providence when Providence uh, vis- visits the pavilion because Villanova is going to have – I mean, if they both end up as three lost Big East teams – Providence which, would have a higher win percentage, right, because they'd have fewer games. No, Villanova would – Excuse me, yes. Yeah, yeah, Villanova would have a higher winning percentage because they played more games, so – 
Uh oh, last night could have been devastating, dead leg. <laughs> it could have been potentially. As for the game, uh, Gillespie just, uh, you know, keeping the ball in that ISO. And then uh, Providence just plays the screen wrong. And he's got him. He's he's just got he's got an opening right there. Of course, he's going to take it. And and a note on Gillespie, like he amazing player, horrendous quote. And I say that uh, you know lovingly. And he he knows it too. Like he he just he is flat, flat, flat. In fact, uh, talking to Jay Wright last night, um, you know, got asked, are, are do you ever see like? you know, real like emotion out of this, uh, out of Colin. It's like the only time is, is seriously like when he hurt his knee last year, when it ended his season, remember he wasn't playing playing the NCAA tournament, but other than that, no, he's just, he is just consistent and it's what makes him a, a great player. But Wright also said, and there'll be some of this in the court report. He said, the thing that's different about Gillespie, because I, I asked him, I basically said, Jay, you have had, so you could, put a roster of 12 dudes that played guard for you that are just rock solid going all the way back, you know, Oh, four, Oh, five, Oh, six with, with all those dudes, Randy Foy on right. And Arch and Brunson, whatever. They just had, had so many. I said, but if there's a, if, if there is a characteristic about Gillespie that makes him different, if it applies, what would it be? And he said, you know what? The thing that is different about Gillespie is there has, I have never had a player who is the embodiment and the spirit of an actual coach. Uh, not just on the floor during games, he's like, we'll be, we'll be running practice, and like he'll stop practice, and and the, and the way that he's talking to the team in a respectful but like kind of dogmatic manner is like, no nah, man, that's not how this goes. We just ran it right two plays ago. Were you not listening? Like this is this is how it goes. A, B, C, and D. He said, it's incredible. Like I I, I will sometimes just have to kind of step back, watch, let him do his thing, and to have that, in addition to the fact that. You know, he could have easily just not played in this game or not played in the game before. But he just said he's, it's just not an option for him. If he thinks that he can go and he can be productive and he's not going to hurt the team, he's going to go. Plenty of players, I think, actually in this spot, mid-February, kind of wait. They, they'd kind of sit it out. And I asked Jay as well. I said, you know, how long till your guys get healthy? Are you going to be basically trying to keep this thing together with duct tape for the rest of the season? Because he said... Gillespie's injury when he hurt his ankle, it looked worse than Justin's, but Justin's is actually worse than his right now. And we debated not playing them like about a week and a half, two weeks ago. We thought, okay, can we shut them down? Can we like really force the issue as a staff with a trainer? Can we just not play them for the next four or five games? Let them get healthy so that we can be ready for March. They ultimately decided against it because the injuries maybe weren't quite severe enough. And there was real concern that if you did that, and then you got into the first week of March when they ideally would be fully healthy at that point. Okay. How much, how long is it going to take us to get into our rhythm? We're going to go into the garden and they basically took a gamble and it's paying off. Last thing I'll say about, uh, about the game and how it played out. Jay Wright told me, he said, he said, this was not how we thought this was going. We didn't think that we'd be relying on you know, Justin Moore and Colin Gillespie are their two best players, but he didn't think that they'd be relying on Justin Moore largely in the first half. And then Gillespie would go nuts the way he did in the second half. He said, that was not the game plan. It was like, we thought we'd be going to Caleb Daniels a lot, Jermaine Samuel, see what we got to the other guys. He's like, what we, what you saw here was not what we thought was going to happen. It was not our game plan whatsoever. And it, it really is a testament GP to obviously Villanova and the way they run their program and all that. But um, I think specifically to there are just certain players that have this ability to 
kind of guide a game, take over a game. Gillespie is absolutely one of those dudes. And I don't know if he's the best point guard in college basketball. I just know he's the most reliable. He's the point guard among all of them in the sport that if I'm in a big game against a really good opponent, I'd rather have the ball in his hands than anyone else's. Last night was an example, career high 33. Villanova gets a huge win on the road. And I think ultimately it will uh, it will be the thing that, that pushes Nova at least into a really good spot heading into March. I still don't think this is a top five title contender. I do think they have some limitations, but um, it was a, oh, by the way, this is our, this is still our league kind of moment and, uh, and a really impressive performance overall at Providence. It, it felt like a, a, on some level, a program win. Like that's the type of win when you're that type of program, you can go on the road and get, um, you know, Providence had been playing so well and, you know, they entered the game 21 and two, 10 and two in the first two quadrants. You, you know, all the numbers and there aren't many programs that could have gone into that building on Tuesday night and won that game because it's not like Providence went away. They were there the whole time. Like they were in it the entire time. And every time it looked like, all right, here they go. Okay. They've cut it to two. Okay. They've tied it. Okay. Uh, here comes they, they. It was Gillespie making a shot. Uh, it was offensive rebound and a stick back. It was just Villanova took every punch Providence had, and it was a a really impressive performance. I moved Villanova back into the top ten, of the top twenty five, and one on Wednesday morning, and Providence is one spot behind the ninth ranked Wildcats at number ten. You mentioned uh, wondering if Villanova is just going to be banged up for the rest of the season. And that's just the way they're going to have to play this thing. Uh, another team you could ask that about Kentucky. They were in action last night at Thompson bowling arena. They lost to Tennessee. We'll get to that next, but first come on, don't let me down a word from our sponsors. Back on Paramount mountain where entertainment lives. Look amigos, cave paintings of all who live here. This painting really speaks to me. Peekaboo! Are you ready, kids? Ah! Ah! <sighs> I always do this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
So Providence wasn't the only top 10 team to lose Tuesday night. Kentucky did too. Final score, Tennessee 76, UK 63 inside Thompson Bowling Arena. The big storyline beyond UT's win uh, is that Ty Ty Washington once again had to leave the game before it was over, uh, seemingly bothered by what's been described as an ankle injury. Uh, Deadleg, if you're a Kentucky fan, forget the loss, whatever. They still got an incredible resume. They're still in play for maybe a one seed in the NCAA tournament. If you're a Kentucky fan, are you concerned, starting to get some concern that this is just going to be an issue March? Uh, maybe potentially. I Obviously, I didn't see a second of this game. This this ran up against uh, PC Nova going in the 8-10 to 10 window. Kentucky went 9-11. to 11, Then I was doing interviews and all that after. So I didn't see any of this. But, yeah, obviously that would be a concern. And, I, you know, I checked in on Wednesday morning just to see um, – how the game went in Tennessee wins with ease, uh, which is, uh, you know, a, a really good sign for that team. And uh, Kennedy Chandler apparently had a really good game, but Ty Ty Washington and his health. I, 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 I do think it's about as important as any other player. Oscar Shibway is right in the mix front run national player of the year. If you want to say it's now Johnny Davis after what Johnny Davis did against Indiana, I'm absolutely willing to listen to that. Cause in many ways, what Johnny Davis does, and I was talking with our buddy, Rob Doster about this the other day, Johnny Davis is more of a traditional MVP candidate. His value, I think overall probably supersedes Oscar Shibway's immense value, but Johnny Davis has more of the characteristics of what we consider an MVP. Now, college basketball doesn't have MVP. He has national player of the year, usually best player on uh, one of the best teams in the country. And that's still Oscar Shibway. He had 13 points, 15 boards, continues to put up really good numbers. But I think that Ty Ty Washington, uh, if Shibway is 1A in terms of importance, Ty Ty is 1B. I, I think it is that close. And I think there's something to be said. It kind of gets back to what we just talked about with Gillespie. What what objective are you trying to reach here? You know, if, if Ty Ty Washington's health is paramount to Kentucky having viability once we get into March in the NCAA tournament, and we think this is a national championship contender, then did he need to play last night on the road? You know, I think that's a fair question to ask. Only he, Kentucky, it's, it's trainers, coaching staff, they can truthfully answer whether that was worth that risk. But I'm looking at the box score. I mean, he played 12 minutes shot one of two from the field. They were both three pointers, you know, had three turnovers, three assists and and that's it. And then he, you said he had to leave with, uh, with another injury tweak there. So I, I don't know. Again, it's, it's all about what he feels he can do, should do. Kentucky has Alabama this Saturday. That's a home game. Then another home game against LSU, but you got to kind of look bigger picture here. Kentucky can win without Ty Ty in the short term, obviously in the, in the bigger picture, you want him available when we get to March there. So something to at least uh, keep an eye on, but I do want to at least give Tennessee their shine. You can speak more to what actually happened in the game. Cause I didn't see it, but for Tennessee to get that win now, 10th at Ken Palm, as we speak this morning, the Vols have won five in a row and have won eight of their past nine. The only loss by one point in that really wretched of a watch at Texas SEC big 12 challenge to end January. So, a little bit quietly here, Rick Barnes has actually got this team not just playing well, but really tracking toward a, a respectable seed. Vols' losses have come against Villanova, Texas Tech and OT, Alabama on the road, LSU on the road, Kentucky on the road, Texas on the road. Doesn't have a home loss yet this season, and uh, they, are, they are now shaping more into what you said they would be in the preseason you know, potentially top two team in the SEC. They they looked the part there, and uh, and that's I think that's a really cool, fun, interesting thing. And because they got that much talent, just 
keep an eye on them. I, I don't want to say they're under the radar, Paris, because that's not the case, but they just haven't received as much attention, pub, and love. Maybe beating Kentucky changes that. They'll go on the road this weekend, will Tennessee, and play at Arkansas. Yeah, I think uh, winning uh, um, last night in a game against Kentucky does change that. It puts, it, it makes you take, it makes not me, like I take a close look at this stuff every day, but it makes a, a casual college basketball fan go, oh, so what's Tennessee been up to? Oh, wow, eight and one in the past nine. Lone loss in that stretch, a one-point loss at Texas. Uh, they might be pretty good. And um, I know you didn't see it um, because you were at Providence. Um, I don't know how often you peek at the comments here, but I don't want you to be misled by one. Somebody uh, in the comments said that Tennessee got lucky on Tuesday night. I'm sorry. That's they, not won, what, they won by 13. Yeah. <laughs> no, and they were up by 20. They didn't get lucky. Yeah. They, beat their, they beat their brains in. Like they, they ended the game in the first half. Um, uh, the Kentucky strength coach, you don't see this every day. Got a technical foul. <laughs> I, I did see a- that kind of stray across my timeline on Twitter. I didn't see the video, but apparently he was yapping back at somebody. But yeah, I, I saw that. So he gets a technical foul, and then Tennessee goes on a 17 to 1 run immediately to take control of the game. It basically ended right there. Kennedy Chandler, my little homie from Memphis, he got 17.6 assists. He was three of five from three. Even John Calipari said afterwards, like, they they punked us. Like, uh, they punched us and we didn't punch back. And we got to, you know, own it. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't make excuses for it. Just own it. Like, hey, we got beat and punked. And we've got to be better than that. Um, and I, I'm certain, like, I'm not, I don't have any long-term concerns about Kentucky as a basketball team other than the health of the roster because that's a real thing. It appears like Ty Ty has been banged up for a while now, just bothered by one thing or another. And John Calipari said last night after the game that he wishes he would not have played him. He said, quote, if I had to do, if I had it to do over, I would not play Ty Ty. I shouldn't have played him. I asked him twice. Why don't you just step back? He said, I can do this. Then I was then I was not going to play him in the second half, and I did. I called him in, and he said, I can do it. I should have just gone with my gut. And what's interesting about that is when I was on sideline for the Kentucky-Auburn game earlier this season when he got hurt, if you remember my initial report, because I was standing right next to the bench, you know, he was with the training staff right after he came out of that game, and he was telling them, I'm okay, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. And so my initial report was, Taite Washington is being checked on by the training staff, uh, but he is indicating to them that he's okay. And then, of course, he never came back in. And I think that starts to speak to who this guy is. Like, he's just going to tell you he could play because he wants to try to play. And then it becomes um, the responsibility of the training staff, the coaching staff, to to make the right decision. Um, I think they did clearly at Auburn by not allowing him to return to the game. Uh, by John Calipari's own admission uh, last night, uh, they didn't make the right call here. And when he was on the court for like 13 minutes before he left for good, he was not good. He had four points, three turnovers. He looked like an unhealthy player trying to play through something he probably shouldn't be trying to play through. And Severe Wheeler, by the way, also left the game very late, holding his wrist at this moment. No idea if it's something that will even show up in the next game. But it's so much of basketball, not just college basketball, but in the NBA as well. You know, uh, championships and people who advance, it's dictated by injuries. Like the NBA playoffs every year, 
um, has wild injuries that that create opportunities for some teams um, and, and ruin opportunities for others. And the same is true in college basketball. Like, what would Villanova have been last season if Colin Gillespie doesn't suffer a season-ending knee injury? Oh, by the way, like, is Colin Gillespie even back in school this season if he didn't suffer a season-ending knee injury last season? Like, would the, 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 would that whole thing have gone down differently last night? You know, injuries are obviously like a, a real big deal in all sports. And if you are Kentucky right now and you've been dealing with a, a banged up Ty Ty Washington for a little while now, I think you do start to get concerned. Like, is he ever going to be 100% healthy again this season so that we can go where our talent and ability and resume suggest we're capable of going? Uh, it's it's a fair point and certainly something to uh, to keep an eye on there. Um, it was a pretty noisy Tuesday. I, I know there's a few other things we got to get to. What guy the ship here, buddy? I mean, you were in studio for CBS Sports Network. Um, obviously, saw all this uh, as it was kind of going down. I got a few scores that kind of peek out to me, but I'll I'll save my thoughts there. You just, what else to you pops most that uh, that's most intriguing? What we saw there on Tuesday? Yeah, some other stuff on Tuesday night. Before we get to it, um, allow me to remind you that if you're watching on YouTube, live or otherwise, please go smash that like button. You got consent. You have consent. We've given you consent. Now it's time to smash. Knock that out. It helps us a lot. Um, some other sort of bullet point, big developments from Tuesday night. Uh, Duke got a stick back dunk from Mark Williams. You probably saw this on Twitter. In the final second to edge Wake Forest, yes. 74-72. Mike Krzyzewski was not feeling well, did not coach the second half, but did address the team after the game, which uh, means he uh, remained at the arena throughout the game. Uh, you mentioned this when Johnny Davis destroyed the internet in Indiana, got 30 points and 12 rebounds. Wisconsin won 74-69 at Assembly Hall. Um, Michigan State lost at Penn State. Mm -hmm. It was just the third time in the past 10 years that Penn State has beaten Michigan State. Michigan State's now four and five in its past nine games. And then just one day after entering the AP Top 25, Wyoming took a quad three loss at New Mexico. Yuck. That is yuck. You hate to see that, particularly with teams that seldom even get into the Top 25 when they take a loss like that. Uh, that's a seed line knock right there. Undeniably. Sorry, Wyoming. It is, but you're still safely in the field. Uh, I want to hit on all those. And yes, I saw in the comments, I was getting flack for my Memphis take. They did win on the road at Cincinnati. So we can get to that in a sec too. Okay. First of all, with the Duke wake thing, I, I don't know if you saw this cause I posted it right before we podcasted, but I put a video on my Twitter feed, uh, where it's got Mark Williams. His first tap is totally legal. It's outside the cylinder. Now, there's a second touch when he goes to dunk where his hand touches the ball as it's over the cylinder and he dunks it in the bucket counted. I think that's, I think that's legal. But as I tweeted, I'm not 100% on the rule interpretation there. I think if you make contact with the ball and then as you're kind of going through and it's outside the cylinder and you are completing the motion or completing the gather, I think is the term that you often see shown in the real rule book. I think that's allowed. I, I he clearly on the view that I that I tweeted out, he clearly is touching the ball as it's above the cylinder. It involves Duke. Everyone's going to go nuts over this, obviously. 
but it was it was intriguing. Um, I had someone tweet at me, Andrew Hoke. I'll give you a shout here. He says, Article 2D, a player may have a hand legally in contact with the ball when this contact continues after the ball enters the cylinder or when during such an action the player touches or grabs the basket. So I think the bucket rightfully counted, but I didn't see this in real time and then uh, had the video uh, sent to me on Wednesday morning. It was intriguing. So that's one story. The other thing is apparently Wake Forest, I did not see this one. I saw the video after. Um, I don't know who shot it, but someone literally almost made like an 85-footer, but it wouldn't have counted because he didn't get off in time, uh, which would have been like one of the all-time buzzer beaters, and then Coach K leaves the game midway through this uh, the game, I guess, at half. Hopefully he's hopefully he's good. Like to, to start a game and feel like you're good to go and then to not return – um, obviously a little concerning, but it seems like all is okay. And hopefully he'll be able to, uh, to, to keep going with that. Um, Wisconsin, Indiana, man, Johnny Davis, Johnny Davis is, I can't see any way. He's not a first team all American at this point. Like he's just, he's just too reliable. And you know, it's not the most shocking news in the world, but we got a lot of players that are in contention to be a first team all American GP. And, uh, man, oh man, he just a huge, huge performance there. Indiana's kind of going through it at the moment Hoosiers fans four straight losses 16 and nine now sub 500 in the big 10 that's tough I don't know at Ohio State next and home to Maryland Indiana's going to the NCAA tournament right like that's going to happen GP that's going to happen I think Indiana right? will be in the NCAA tournament you might have heard but they've got to put 68 teams in this thing um, but obviously trending the wrong direction yeah that's put, it's wild you got to put 68 teams in um, that, but they're obviously not headed uh, in the right direction right now. Um, the remaining schedule is two home games, three road games. You've got a road at Purdue and a road at Ohio State. That's obviously uh, not mm -hmm. simple. Um, but like Indiana fans are at least having fun with it with me now. <laughs> they're like GP. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I, I can't. I'd love to listen to the podcast, but as you know, we're having internet problems here in the I state. Drive over so, the border uh, of Kentucky to even send this tweet. Yeah, yeah. I think it's funny. Uh, but yeah, yeah Trish Jackson um, Davis. Had, had like, if you remember, all, all of all. Go ahead. Yeah, he went big. He was terrific. Um, and it looked like Indiana, like. It's such a jumble in studio and all these highlights. It feels like a jumbled mess, and I don't have the notes right in front of me. But if I remember correctly, like Indiana was up in the final couple of minutes, and it was like, okay, they're fine. And then Johnny Davis becomes Johnny Davis. Next, you just took a 74 69 loss. It was, uh, yeah, in a row. Uh, yes, can still make the NCAA tournament, but better start playing better, or you'll never have internet again. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you're kind of getting the the full kind of coaching. Mike Woodson's getting the full experience here in year one. You know the highs, the lows, and everything in between there. And uh, we will we will see. But yeah, a good little good little battle there uh, between Johnny and and Trace, both getting thirty apiece. Um, other game you hit on? Oh yeah, Michigan State. I Let saw me stop that. you for a second and ask okay. a question. Okay. Is my does it appear like I have Indiana internet? throughout this entire podcast 100 percent, dude i mean if you want to just address the elephant in the room i mean you, the, the internet's going out in new york city right now. <laughs> i can't yeah. hear a word you're saying on this podcast i don't have okay. any idea what i have no idea what you said <laughs> yes you are having internet <laughs> like I, I mean you're having some internet issues like i don't know what to tell you that's it's absolutely happening right now the the universe and its will is bending back upon you yes this is incredible. 
<laughs> Absolutely incredible what's happening. Yes. You're blurry. You're fuzzy. You're coming in and out. I'll take the command here for a second. I hope. Can you hear me right now? Okay. It's I mean, like Johnny Davis played St. John's last night. I feel like Johnny Davis played St. John's last night. And now I'm having, and now my internet's suffering because of it here in New York City. Well, I, we we can hear we can hear you. This is just um, it's amazing to me. But yes, you've been pushing through it. Uh, you might need to make a, a call to the hotel to the front desk there, see what's going on. You also mentioned that Michigan State lost at Penn State. I did see that Tom Izzo did not make any of his players available to the post game media session, which basically never happens. Um, so, you know, I don't know what that's an indication of other than Tom Izzo was extremely pissed and didn't want his players talking to the media. Uh, obviously we don't want to make a habit of that ever. Um, at least make one or two guys available after a loss here, but they lose. And now Michigan state's also another big 10 team like Indiana, which is on a swoon lost three of his past four. At one point, this was a 14 and two team. Now it's 18 and seven. I've been a little skeptical. I think I mentioned this either on Sunday or late last week. I was a little skeptical of Michigan state overall. They're going to get to the tournament, but not a team that you can put a whole hell of a lot of stock into. So clearly notable. And Mike Shrewsbury uh, gets a nice, gets a nice win there as well. Uh, I'll get to Memphis in just a second, but I'll also note Texas won at Oklahoma, Oklahoma, man, they're 14 and 12. Like they're not yet another team. You got to put 68 teams in this thing, but they start winning these games, man. Like they have nothing but good losses. Let me bring up, let me bring up their page right now. Oklahoma are all of their losses quad one. Oklahoma Sooners now three and nine in quad one, four and two in quad two. Oh, they do have a quad three loss. Oklahoma cannot be in the field as of right now, in my opinion. That's uh, that's a little tough. Can you hear me? Okay, good times. Well, I'm going to keep rolling on this then. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I, can't, I can't hear you. <laughs> okay, this is what I okay. hear. This, this is this is what I this is what I hear while you're talking. Texas, Oklahoma, Mike Shrewsbury, Tom Izzo, don't know what that was about, quad two, that's all I know, I don't hear anything other than that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Try it. Nana, text him on the side. See if he can log out and log back in. Like, just <laughs> text him on the side. Dude, try and log back out and log back in. I will continue talking because there's still more I got to talk about here. Just log back out and log back in and hey, see if you can get you this just, back to where I, you need it to be. You just. You just handle this. I'm gonna go get some lunch. Okay. And just remember to let me give you, let me give you the Baylor player. His name's Jake Lindsay. So make sure to shout uh, to shout out Jake Lindsay and oh, tell people to smash goodness. the like button. Oh God, incredible! Uh, that's just amazing. If you, if legitimately, if you want to just, if you want to call it, I, I can, I, I can steer the ship home here. Uh, Memphis did win 81-74 against Cincinnati. 
They are now not just in the NCAA tournament conversation. They are a viable bubble team. I don't think I would put Memphis in the field as of this morning. They're close. Another road win is humongous, obviously. They are close. I don't know if I'd quite go there. They're 4-2 and two in quad one, 2-4 and four in quad two. They've got two quad three losses overall. They're at 40th in the net. So they're not. if they're not in, they're knocking on the door. They're the first or second team out. And Penny Hardaway has turned this whole thing around. So I got to give some some credit because I did not think Memphis would go on the road and beat Cincy. I did not think that would happen, but it's been able to, and it gets, goes and gets the win. Did you hop out and hop back in? Are we good? Uh, It sounds better. Amazing. Uh, Not not sure how long it'll last, but we're good right now. I feel like, I feel like Johnny Davis played at Manhattan college last night and just ripped, (laughs) ripped the internet out of his place. Just, but that's what makes the pod incredible, man. That was really, really, really something there. Um, I think we probably touched on Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas, Oklahoma, Nova, Providence. Johnny Davis goes nuts. Memphis gets a good road win. Michigan State loses at Penn State. Tom Izzo doesn't allow the players to talk to the media. Iowa State, oh, by the way, was kind of kind of hungry for a win. It got one on the road against TCU. Good on the Cyclones to at least, uh, you know, stop bailing water every single game. And oh, Florida lost, but you know we're we're now like in thick bubble season. Uh, Florida lost by one at A and M. Gators clearly um, their season can kind of go either way there. Certainly something to note there. And I think that's probably it for the Tuesday night games. Uh, before I give a heads up on Wednesday and Thursday, anything else from Tuesday or was there even anything on Monday? Monday was Monday was blah. Monday was whatever. Kansas beat Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah. Kansas State got a. Um, another like Kansas State's like on the bubble now. I can't which is hear kind you. of incredible. Are you being serious? No. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a nightmare! What a nightmare! You ask me if there's anything else. I have no idea what you've been talking about. I mean, there might be something else, but you might have also talked. About I basically it. I no I, listen. Tee up the softball here. Any thoughts on Memphis? I, I spend a lot of it talking Memphis because they did. They at least deserved a little bit of, of recognition here for what they were able to do. They go on the road at Cincinnati. They win 81-74 in the process, get to 15-8. and eight. They've won six in a row. They're 9-4 and four in the American. And I said, I don't think I'd put them in. Like, I haven't put pen to paper and put 68 teams in this thing as of February 16th. I feel like they're probably still the first or second, third team out. But... Um, they're obvi- they're a viable bubble team at this point. It's it's not arguable. They got another good road win. Cincinnati's not a tournament team, but it's another good road win. And I think at this point, Penny Hardaway, he deserves to be uh he deserves to be respected for what he's been able to do here. And so that's what uh that's what we're here to do. Stop disrespecting yeah, the bro. They've won uh six in a row. They're now six and six in the first two quadrants. Uh, they do have two quadrant three losses, um, but six and six in the first two quadrants. Even with those quarter three losses, most bracketologists um, are going to have them on the right side of the bubble right now. I talked to Jerry Palm yesterday on my radio show. He said if Memphis were to win at Cincinnati, he would probably have them on the right side of the bubble when he updates on Thursday. Um, I believe uh, I, I'll just keep it simple. I believe most people who put brackets together um, as of this morning or when they update next will have Memphis on the right side of the bubble. Um, there's a lot of reasons why they're better. Um, one, one reason is because Penny has settled into playing a shorter rotation. And another reason, I, I think it's addition by subtraction. I think they're better without Amani Bates. And I, you know, I, I don't say that to be mean, but there's a lot of efficiency numbers with Amani Bates, without Amani Bates that, that suggest they're just a better basketball team with them. And plus him not being there, uh, 
by extension shortens the rotation. So they're they're a good basketball team right now. I do wonder, um, you know, because this is they got back on everybody's radar by going and winning at Houston. Like I I do wonder how like Jerry Palm's got Houston as a seven seed right now, mm. and and when and when you ask him why, you know, because it's a radio interview and you just that's what you do. Um, he'll say they haven't beaten anybody. They they have zero quadrant one wins. Houston does right now. Zero quadrant one wins, and they kept moving up the polls um, after they lost Marcus Sasser because they kept winning. So, like, you know, people just kept moving up. The computer number stayed strong. But their first nine games without Marcus Sasser, they played zero top 80 Kimpom teams. So they just, you know, they beat, they, they, beat, they beat some bad teams badly, but they didn't beat anybody. Then they go play at SMU, borderline tournament team, lose. Host Memphis, borderline NCAA tournament team, lose. So they're 0-2 without Marcus Sasser, against quality basketball teams. Um, I don't think that means Houston is uh, not any good because Kelvin Sampson is still the coach. I'm assuming Houston's going to be good. But I, I, I guess I'm not sure the current computer numbers and the current AP ranking match up real well with what that Houston team might be. We'll see. We shall see. On Wednesday night, uh, here's your heads up on it. Baylor at Texas Tech. That's the biggest game of the evening. Um, just two quality teams, and we'll see what uh, we'll see what Baylor looks like and who's available to play for the for the Bears there. Uh, Purdue plays at Northwestern. You know, normally I wouldn't even mention this, but let's just see what Purdue team shows up. Like if Purdue, you know, coming off the skin of their teeth win against Maryland at home, like can you go in Northwestern and win by 15? You know. I don't know. I, I, I want That's also a nine o'clock tip. Uh, earlier in that, Illinois got a slippery one against Rutgers. Rutgers, obviously, among the most intriguing bubble resumes out there. Beating Illinois at home makes it all the more interesting. Seton Hall at UConn is a CBS Sports Network game. GP will be in studio all evening. That's an 830 tip. Seton Hall at UConn. Dan Hurley versus Kevin Willard. Always, always intriguing. And those are probably your four biggest, most notable games of Wednesday. And then Thursday night, we'll obviously talk to you again on Friday morning. Uh, Michigan at Iowa, uh, Michigan kind of, uh, you know, the, their resume had a, a little bit of a death rattle and then they were not, they were just not competitive against Ohio state. So if they have any shot, they gotta, they gotta win that game at Iowa, which is, we haven't talked a ton about the Hawkeyes yet. Uh, perhaps we will on Sunday, or, I mean, on Friday morning, if they can get a win, they will be 18 and seven at that point. And, uh, Fran's done a pretty good job overall. And then a huge Huge Thursday night game, San Francisco at St. Mary's in the WCC. Those are both top 30 Ken Palm teams. And that's a really, really quality game, though. So those are the two biggest ones on uh, on Thursday night before we talk again on Friday morning. That's pretty much that's pretty much all I got, GP. I mean, I got to do HQ here. I got to finish up the court report. Uh, your Internet seems to be steady at this point. It got a little I wasn't going to say anything, but I think it had reached a point here where you basically had to had to address it because that was we've had some incredible moments over the years on this podcast, but. It's when things go awry and they go astray that we have, I think we rise to our best and most ridiculous. And and thank you for at least asking me if I could see or hear you because it was, everyone knew what was going on. And we and thankfully we fixed it. Well, like, I guess next time I should ask immediately so we don't spend 20 minutes like that. But the reason I was wondering, like, maybe it's just a, something on my end that's not impacting the actual uh, podcast is because every time I asked you something, you responded like immediately. So I was like, okay, right. maybe he can hear me fine. I could always but. hear you. That's the thing is I'll, almost always I could hear you. So for everyone listening to this podcast after it's gone into the feed and are like, what are these guys doing on video? Like, what is this experience? First of all, you need to be involved in the experience. Okay. 
get in here. Even if you don't watch, go ahead and just subscribe to the video if you could. Our numbers have been really, really, really good in the past month or so as people have gotten more and more involved. So thank you to everyone. If you are just coming around now, like we'd love to have you here, but you've missed out on some just absurdities here. Uh, I've already forgotten the Baylor's player's name, by the way. So you gave me the Baylor player. If you had actually bailed out here, let's be honest, I wasn't doing it anyway. But you're but you're clear to go. You know, you're clear to uh, to land this ship. <laughs> Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester. South Carolina shouts to Jake Lindsay, legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you guys once again for listening. I own college basketball podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Do you know that pandemic shut down my favorite lunch spot right downstairs? I walk there every day and get lunch. Not there. Never coming back. I never see one like this. Yeah. Nowhere. Never, never see one like this, dead leg. Woo! If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts. I mean that, for real. Mm-hmm. Type some nice words. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't let them trick you, make you feel bad. There's more of us than there are of them. If you haven't smashed the like button yet, knock that out. Brandon Davies would do it. He smashed, risked a trip to the final fight. He didn't care. This is My all coming off, by the way. Next time you see me, haircut tomorrow. So, significant choppage heading my way. It's We're overdue. It's time. I was trying to talk about Brandon Davies. I know, mind. I know. Sorry, I just, you know. <laughs> you want to keep going? <laughs> Give me a few more minutes to talk about Brandon Davies. We're at 47 minutes right now. It's actually, this has been breezy. This has been amazing. I could stretch another. I can get us to 52 just focusing strictly on Brandon Davies and his desire to smash. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.